But why SEO? Well, so it has the second highest return on investment of all the digital marketing tactics after email marketing. Without SEO, you're effectively invisible online. And so you cannot generate money that way. So then it needs to be, you know, like more of a word of mouth or referral kind of experience. And that's hard right now. Business finance is not a standalone process. It is actually interconnected to other business activities, including marketing. I share this holistic view of business finance inside episode 111. I also share in that episode that everyone in your business can be and should be a finance ambassador. One of the ways your marketing team can be a finance ambassador is by being intentional in collecting and analyzing marketing metrics, such as engagement and conversion return and lead generation return. These are important data in building your revenue forecasts. The flip side of the revenue forecast is the expense forecast. As a finance ambassador, the marketing team should analyze the return on investment for each individual marketing channel and use this information to determine the future marketing spending and include this information in the financial forecast. Now, I also understand before your marketing team can get into the marketing metrics that feed into the business financial process, you need to know what are the different marketing strategies you can use to grow your business from 1 million to the next growth milestone. That's why I curated this growth marketing podcast series with B Corp certified businesses to talk about the different marketing strategies that can help you get to the next level. Because I know what gets you to your first seven figures won't get you to where you want to go next. For those of you who don't know what is B Corp certification, I invite you to go and listen to episode 101 and find out more about B Corp certification. Becoming a B Corp certified business is part of my future plan. So promoting and featuring B Corp businesses in this podcast is one of the ways I can do in the meantime to join the B Corp movement. Today's guest is Anna Colibri, the founder and CEO of Colibri Digital Marketing, which is a B Corp certified business since 2016. We dive into how your business can benefit from search engine optimization or SEO as a growth marketing strategy. In addition to search engine optimization, over the next few weeks, you will also gain insight about the following growth marketing strategies, how to benefit from paid advertising through syndicated partner network, how to build a sustainable and accessible website, how to create a purpose-driven partnership strategy. You're listening to Her CEO Journey, the business finance podcast for mission-driven women entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Christina Shahli. If you are new here, a big warm welcome. If we are not connected on LinkedIn, please reach out and say hi because that's where I hang out and share my business finance tips. If you have been listening to this podcast for a while and you are a regular listener, I want you to know I appreciate you. My podcast won't be around without your support. This is a free weekly show where my guests and I want to inspire you to balance between mission and profit, to create an impact in this world, and to achieve financial equality through your business for good. If you have been following her CEO journey for quite some time, and 
At times, you are thinking this podcast episode is great, and now Christina also provided actionable guide I can download for each episode. But actually, I have more question about the topic discussed than answer. How can I get the answer to all my questions? Well, you are in luck because starting from May 6, 2021, and every Thursday after that at noon Eastern Standard Time or 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, I am co-moderating Purpose to Prosperity Club inside Clubhouse together with an impact brand consultant, Holy Grave. A finance nerd is co-moderating with a branding nerd. I am super excited for this collaboration because Holly and I, we both believe we need to use business as a force for good. Also, I believe finance is interconnected to other business activities and branding is one of those business activities. To make it easier for you, check out the one-pager link included in the show notes so you can find out more about the Purpose to Prosperity Club and how can you join the club inside Clubhouse. Not only you have the opportunity to ask me business finance related questions like what do you mean by the holistic approach of business finance that you mentioned in episode 111. What is the difference between cash and profit? How can I create a monthly financial report I can understand easily and much more? You will also have the opportunity to ask questions to selected guests from her CEO journey that we invite to the stage. The first guest inside the Purpose to Prosperity Club is Ruby Ao, the head of North America of Ecosia, a B Corp certified business located in Berlin, Germany. Ruby's episode, which is episode 113, will go live next week. And Ruby will be inside Purpose to Prosperity Club on May 6, where you can ask questions about how to benefit from paid advertising through the Strategic Partner Network. And to find out more about Ecosia, the search engine that plants trees for every search. In the meantime, if you want to reimagine your business financial process using the holistic approach that I talk about in episode 111, let's chat. Book a time with me at christinashahli.com forward slash let's chat. Now let's find out Anna's CEO journey. Anna Colibri, welcome to her CEO journey. Before we dive into search engine optimization, can you please share your journey with my audience? Why you started Colibri Digital Marketing? Sure thing. I actually started with a master's in social welfare and I took a couple detours. My first business though was a yoga, Ayurveda and massage business. And it turned out that that was a little too personal for me that I didn't really want to be selling yoga and kind of my spiritual practice and that related thing. But through marketing that business and seeing it have some success, but realizing that I wanted to change directions. And also through my experience in the field of social work, where I was training other people to market their nonprofits, I kind of realized, oh, I can put this together. And I was also going through a transition in my personal life where I was getting a divorce. And I really wanted to provide women, especially a way to cross the digital divide, but we couldn't really find large enough clients. 
to support that business model because so many women didn't have enough money to invest in marketing. So we had to go for bigger clients. And then over time, and especially as we attained B Corp status, we've been able to come up with lower cost options and training. So we are able to fulfill that mission of providing service to women and also to minority business owners. What attract you to become a B Corp? So for me, it would never be satisfying to just sell widgets or even to just sell marketing. I feel like there needs to be an impact behind it. So that could mean supporting small local businesses. That could mean supporting women leaders, minority leaders, or it could mean working on special projects like for nonprofits or for other mission aligned businesses. But for me, the two are completely intertwined. So we're definitely a triple bottom line business and we would have even certified earlier, but you need to be in business for two years. And then also originally they weren't allowing um, sole proprietors to become B Corps, but they changed that rule. And as soon as they did, then we hopped on board. Okay. So you mentioned earlier that before B Corp, you were serving an audience that is more established and it's not women. Is that what you were saying? No, I um, was saying that we had really wanted to help women cross the digital divide. But of course, you know, a business needs to be profitable and we couldn't really find a client base there. So even though there was a need, a lot of women couldn't afford services or weren't willing to reach out for them. So I think that, first of all, in my experience, a lot of people think of their product and service first. And so they're sort of like technicians or they're passionate about what they're doing. So they aren't marketing minded. And then there's a whole group of people too. And I guess this is lessening over time, but when we got started, so many people were like, I don't want to be on social media. I don't want to have to, you know, be out there and, you know, sharing things about myself Now, fast forward almost 10 years, I think more and more people have just accepted the reality of that. But even 10 years ago, there were a lot of people who are saying, you know, I hate social media. You know, maybe this will blow over, you know, like that kind of thing. So (laughs) um, (laughs) so when you think about how personal digital marketing can be, where you need to show up as the face of your business, well, you know, some people would like to make jewelry on Etsy but do they want to make YouTube videos where they have to show their faces and talk to their audiences? So there's a huge array of ways to do digital marketing, but some of it is really intimidating for people. And especially the parts that seem kind of invisible, like the technological parts or the parts which are just too visible, kind of self-promotion. I think people are really uncomfortable with it. Not everyone, but quite a few people. Oh, I think you nail it right there. <laughs> like I, I have to admit, like, you know, personally, I didn't touch social media before, right? I didn't because it is really uncomfortable. To me personally, writing is really not my thing. That's one. And doing video and showing up, it's not my thing. I have to pick a medium carefully in what I feel comfortable but I can still do it, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's 
in my head, I keep thinking, I don't want to promote. If I'm doing things right, then they will find me. But it doesn't work that way. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, and that is why people hire us, though, is because they're like, ick, I don't want to do this. And they find, though, that they do need to do it still. You didn't have a marketing, per se, degree, right? You learned marketing through experience. Is that what happened? That is exactly what happened. So I started marketing really during the dinosaur age. So, I mean, we definitely were telling these little nonprofit agencies that we were teaching marketing to make a flyer. There wasn't social media when I was first teaching marketing. So, I mean, it's such a new field. So I think that most people have learned by doing, but I did take classes. So I actually took classes in web design. I took classes in social media marketing. I took classes in writing for the web. At the beginning of my SEO journey, I hired an SEO coach and I just went through my own website and we met weekly and I would do tasks and assignments based on that SEO. And then now I've built out a team. And so all of this is marked by constant change. So Actually, no one can truly be an expert in all of this, but we have a team of experts and specialists, and they're always growing and keeping up with the latest best practices, but it's a moving target. I think when you're an experienced marketer and you understand people and you combine that with, say, a team of younger people who are technically agile and who have a love of social media... That's when you can kind of often get, that's just an example, but that is when you can get the best of all worlds. So I love collaborating with my young team because they're very excited about it in a way that, you know, I couldn't really be. SEO, on the other hand, I can be excited about partly because it involves words and I love words and writing and partly because like so many people, and like you said too, showing up on social media is not exactly natural or fun for me, but seeing results from search engine optimization is gratifying for me. So it's one of my favorite parts of digital marketing. Great. That's what we're going to talk about. (laughs) So share a little bit. What are the struggles businesses have with SEO? Well, they don't really understand anything about it. (laughs) So, I mean, that is hard, right? Like when you're trying to move forward with something that you really don't understand at all and don't have the technical skills for, and it's pretty complicated. It has a lot of complexity with it. So this is one that is ripe for outsourcing. With social media, for example, it's really important that the client have a role, but with search engine optimization, the client doesn't really even need to have a role, but then in that case, it becomes even more opaque. But something that people really need to understand, and this may sound really obvious as I state it, but SEO is a human being who has a problem, who is looking for a solution. And so if you kind of, on the one hand, just think of that human being who has a need, who needs a solution, they type in a question into a search engine, And then you are trying to be that result. And so the optimization is you are offering an answer to that problem. You are offering a solution to that problem. So in between the reality of a human being who has a question 
and the reality of a human being who has an answer, machines are actually interacting with human desire or human need to provide results. But all they can provide are very mechanical types of results, very digital, very does it show or does it not show up as a result. So that's our job is to look at all the different ways that we can influence that outcome based on your website. But you can see that people aren't always thinking about the human side of it, that there's a human side to this and there is a machine side to it. That is what a search engine is. And so how does a, hum- how does a search engine really interpret human desire and coming up with lists of targeted keywords, like who is your audience, really understanding them and saying, how would they phrase it? What is their understanding? Because you may have a lot of jargon in your business. And so you may be using words that make total sense to you, but your client doesn't really know that language. So they're looking for something. How will they look for it? So the machine can understand that you are the one who can deliver it. So already just kind of on an underlying basis, people just don't look at that big picture truth about what SEO is. So I would say that the most common misconception, besides really not even understanding the basics of what it is, which is that machine human interaction, is that SEO, you know, organic search optimization, it is not organic, right? So the global search engine optimization services market is expected to grow from 46 billion in 2020 to 50 billion in 2021. So people invest in SEO and some people even spend millions on it. So there's nothing really organic about it. And the people who are on the top of search results for, you know, especially just key industries, they are paying money to be there because there's a whole huge larger misconception about digital marketing and about the internet in general, that it's kind of like, you know, a meritocracy or you succeed because you're offering something good. That is not why. The reason is, is that you put, you know, time and money into it. A lot of people, when they first started, for somebody that doesn't know marketing, they may say, okay, I'm gonna try SEO. It may work, it may not work. Depends, I guess, on how they know their client. But now, when you are growing a business and then you already get to the certain level of being an established business, when you talk about keywords, by then an established business is likely already know who is their target market because they have been successful. So is their struggles the same as the one who is just starting out? No. So they have different struggles. So effectively, though, many mature businesses don't have good rankings whatsoever. And that is because they haven't optimized their website. They haven't gone after backlinks. They haven't even created content that's relevant to the keywords that are relevant, you know, for their industry. So you would just be really surprised, I think, to know how many successful businesses are not using all of the leverage of SEO that they could. And a lot of established businesses, they've grown before there was SEO. 
no matter what stage your business, you should have an SEO strategy and deliver it against a consistency. SEO is kind of like real estate. You know how realtors will tell you the best time to buy a home was five years ago and the second best time is now. So if you don't have an SEO strategy, certainly get started because you know it's a long game. So it takes time to build page authority. But the longer you stay in the game, the better and more nuanced it will get. And then you kind of get to this point where you're like, oh, I'd like to rank for this keyword. Let me publish something about it. Let me publish some long form content and you can kind of see the levers pulling. But at the beginning, you know, you also need to let your website mature. I mean, one of the signals for Google is that your website is older. Older sites get more Google juice, basically. SEO is a long game, like I said, and you need to be producing high quality targeted content on a consistent basis. And so like you already mentioned, you don't like writing. Well, you mm-hmm. have to write for SEO. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't quite have to because, and so we've come up with workarounds for some of our clients and especially ones where we need to get their voice in there. So for example, creating videos, then uploading them to YouTube, getting transcripts. And now I think you can get transcripts more and more easily from Zoom as well. And so having organic conversations with people, getting the transcripts, and then editing those into a blog post is a way that people who don't like to write, but who can talk, can really get their voice in there. And two, you can fit you know a lot of words into that because also another element of search is just that longer form content it is better for SEO. So there are kind of workarounds, but basically producing that high quality targeted content on a consistent basis. And then also small business owners are not aware of the need for backlinks or they don't have the profile to generate organic backlinks like PR could do. So effectively, they don't realize that not only do they have to produce content for their website, but they need people to be linking to their website either by guest posting or by PR or by being in directories. And then I guess another thing is that since SEO has a really big technical component, it takes a long time to mature professionally and to adapt to the ever-changing SEO link, you know, landscape. So it's not suited really for DIY. It really isn't. I mean, you can go a long way by continuously producing high quality content that your clients or customers value. So, I mean, the number one thing that I would say, which I basically already said, you know, start now. And the way that you can start, no matter who you are, is producing high quality content on a weekly basis. And that will help your rankings. It'll do it in sort of a random way, not completely random because hopefully you'll be writing about your products and services, but still you won't have really looked at what are the best keywords, when to use them, why. But nevertheless, buying your domain, getting the longest subscription you can, like a 10-year subscription to your website, and then producing content, producing content, producing content. Those actually are things anyone can do, and then they can refine as their business builds. I never heard anybody saying buying your domain for a long term, like 10 years. Why is that? Is that going back to your point earlier that the longer your website exists, your domain exists, the more juice you got from Google? 
Yes. And also that is just a signal that Google has. So if you believe in your business and you're investing your, in your business and you're saying, I'm here for the long term. So I've invested in this website. It's just one tiny signal, but it is a signal. So, I mean, you really have to think about it from Google's point of view as well, which is they actually are trying to deliver high quality content to people in addition, though, to advertising, which is really their number one in a way. So they're giving more and more organic search real estate to advertising because that is really more of a direct source of revenue. And so actually, I see the possibility of competitors to Google eventually, even though, I mean, they're basically totally dominating search. But there will be, I think, kind of a breaking point where their kind of relentless drive for profit and serving their own need for profit will be a little bit at odds of what consumers want. Because, you know, the way that Google does make money is through advertising and through products and things like, you know, restaurants. Like if you're going to deliver search results and somebody's searching for Hyacinth, well, maybe there's the name of a restaurant, which is Hyacinth, but there's also you know, a plant nursery called Hyacinth. And then there's also just that flower and someone wants to know about it. Google, in a sense, leans towards the things that are profitable for them. So more and more, it becomes difficult to get information that isn't monetized. Hmm. And so there will be competitors, I think, and there already have started to be little competitors. You should start now and you can start just by creating content, really. But over time, as your business becomes more sophisticated and you have revenue streams, you can even further enhance your revenue streams by optimizing. Let's say that a business has reached a certain level, like a seven figures level, and then they still want more. If they're going to get started, is there like the most important thing in SEO? And let me just say that there are basically these categories of SEO, right? So there's on-page SEO. That's the content that is forward-facing that people can see on your website. And then there's what we call technical SEO, which is all the optimizations that people can't per se see like site speed. People are very impatient and they will bounce right off your site if it doesn't load quickly. And then there's also off-page, which is backlinking and then local SEO and then user experience. So in terms of those, two of the very most important elements, and you also have to realize that Google has like over 200 metrics and they change their metrics even sometimes more than once a day within their algorithm. So it's a constantly changing field. And also they don't publish the algorithm. It's a secret. And so the way that you find out is, oh, something I was doing before doesn't work as well now. Why? And they do give, you know, talks and hints and things about what they're doing. And they will tell you when there's a major update, that kind of thing. But effectively, it's, you know, it's a secret and we don't. And so SEO is also one of those things that's research-based, but also operating kind of in the dark. Two of the things, though, that are the most important are site speed Mobile optimization, I said two, but there's three really. And then SEO title tags and meta descriptions. That's what shows up in the search engine results pages. And so each of your pages has a title. 
And so that is also where keyword research comes in. So you should definitely make sure that you are titling your page according to what's relevant on that page. But also you want these very small, it's kind of like a tweet. You only have like say 55 characters so that it'll show up on all different kinds of devices as a complete sentence. So those are three things that are very important. Is it always worth trying to get known locally first? That only depends on if you have a local business. Got it. Okay. And how that works too, which is a little counterintuitive, is because Google has a mobile first policy now, which you know makes sense. A lot of people are on the go and everybody has a phone. But let's just say that you are a dog groomer. Well, if you say dog groomer near me, Google will give you the closest result. So they won't give you the best result. They will give you the closest result. And so that is also something which is kind of interesting. Like if you're establishing a business, in effect, it's still a good idea to place, you know, location, location, location. So to place your business in a high traffic area so that when people are searching, more people will be searching and you'll be near me online and also offline. I think with with COVID though, when everything is going global, do you think the way people search for things have changed? Hmm, That's an interesting question. And I don't think that the way they have searched has changed. I mean, maybe people are doing more desktop stuff because they're actually out and about less. Mm, mm. But overall, no, it's really still like, I have a problem, I'm looking for a solution. And you would like to show up in the search engine results as a solution. I want to go back a little bit about backlink. I know somebody before talked about buying links. That is not the way to create backlinks, right? <laughs> no. And I mean, Google really doesn't want you to. And that is where you get into, you know, site penalties and stuff like that. There's black hat SEO, there's white hat SEO, and there's gray hat SEO. We're strictly white hat, which means we just try to conform to Google's best practices all the time. And we never try to, you know, do sneaky technical workarounds. And the reason is, is that, you know, it just doesn't work. And I can give you an example. We had a real estate client and we were producing content for them, but they also had a company that was doing backlinking. They were doing things like creating, you know, fake profiles and then having people, you know, write these say $5 blog posts, just kind of internationally, and then publishing that on these different fake websites, like a blog spot. I don't know if you remember Google blog spot, but that was one that was pretty typical to create fake profiles. Then my client, who was a top San Francisco realtor, a client reached out to her and she said, God, there was this weird blog I saw that you wrote. And first of all, it misspelled Noe Valley. And, you know, nobody wants that. Like Noe Valley is really one of the most expensive real estate markets in the world, right? (laughs) And so then it's misspelled. So this is where I really had to point out, you might think, oh, it's so inexpensive and cheap to get these backlinks. But then you have your own client reaching out to you and saying, what was this content you produced? So there's like a lot of ways to fall down when you're trying to do it the cheap and easy way. So we don't do it the cheap and easy way. We do it the way that we think will work best over time, which is things like guest posting. 
or going back and seeing where links are that are on other websites that may have been generated by PR or you know, something else and going back and saying, would you be willing to make this a do follow link? Or would you be willing to add some anchor text? So anchor text is saying an article about dog grooming, like we said before, this San Francisco dog groomer, and then the link can be dog groomer. To the website. Yeah, to the other website. So instead of just putting in the URL, you have the term, the search term there. So you can just spend a lot of time going back and saying, well, where are people on the web and how do they show up? And can we ask those webmasters to improve that? You know, or can we add in another link or, you know, something like that or produce content on my website and I could give you a backlink. What other unique ways for link building that you find not many people know? Because I know I heard about guest posts. I also heard about Harrow help a reporter out, right? So what other things that you can share that maybe not a lot of businesses understand in terms of building a link? Okay, so the one that comes to my mind is a lot of people use stock images on their websites, but if you can use original content on your website, like photographs that you took or that you paid, you know, a high quality professional for, which also gets back to um, the comment that we made about the user experience aspect. So most people can, you know, easily spot stock photos and they're not really that compelling because we didn't talk about this before, but, you know, SEO drives traffic to your site and then what happens when they get there. So the user experience can cause people to bounce or it can cause people to convert. So compelling images are really important, but if you have compelling images, then what happens a lot is that people use your images. And so when they use your images and you can do image searches and find out if people are using it, if those are original images, you can, instead of telling them to take down those images, you can say, oh, would you be willing to give me a backlink? And then their choice becomes giving you photo credit with a backlink or taking down the image because they have effectively stolen it. Never heard about that one. (laughs) Great tips. Thank you for that. Why SEO is worth it then? It seems like even from the very beginning, you said that this is not something that you can do it yourself. There is technicalities behind it. Based on that information, even I'm thinking if you're just starting out, it's really not, you can start it with SEO, but how is it even going to be working properly until you really have the budget to spend to make this worth it? So just building into your business, creating high quality content that's useful to your audience on a regular basis. That is SEO in a nutshell. And I think it's a really kind of beautiful way to describe SEO and it's why I like SEO. So just get going with that. Just find a way that in your business, you can create high quality content on a regular basis, you know, hopefully once a week. And then, you know, if you are doing that and you come up with a system for that, you know, that's phase one. And a lot of people cannot even get there. So that's already kind of a hurdle for people. Okay. But why SEO? Well, so it has the second highest return on investment of all the digital marketing tactics after email marketing. Without SEO, you're effectively invisible online. And so you cannot generate money that way. So then it needs to be, you know, like more of a word of mouth or referral kind of experience. And that's hard right now. 
And then SEO success is, you know, relatively easy to measure with analytics. You know, you can really see I'm ranking for more or I'm ranking for less. These terms have higher conversion rates. These terms have lower conversion rates. These terms are leading us to greater visibility. These terms are not. So you can measure those things. So, you know, and it becomes exciting and fun to see And it could be a pretty small investment too. I mean, something we offer for people, we have a one-time package, which is an SEO flight package that optimizes all of your SEO on a one-time basis. And then we also train people to do it themselves if they don't have budget, you know, to hire us. And so they can't do everything, but we can teach them how to optimize a blog post. We can create a initial calendar for them that tells them when to publish what. And then we can also give them tips on how to produce content, you know, more easily and train them to do that. So you can still get going and then they can be looking at their analytics and say, oh yeah, this is working. This is helping. And also too, many businesses can just look at their sales process and see how many of your leads are coming through search. I mean, and so as part of your sales process, you should be capturing that, but you'll see that, Many people will see this is how many leads we're getting through search. And then, and you kind of talked about this maybe with me offline earlier, but the idea of, okay, if we're getting, say, if we have 400 unique visitors per month and that is resulting in 10 sales calls, four proposals, and two closed business then we think, okay, well, if we double the traffic to our website now, we're going to be having four closed businesses per you know, month. So whatever you know, people's sales process and sales cycle is, but you get the idea. So you can start to really see that traffic leads to lead capture and conversions or however your sales process is set up. So Potentially, if you double your traffic, you can get double the leads. So already that's very exciting for a business owner, I would think. For me, it is. You know, and so you can tell and you're on the right track. And so then also when you produce good content, this is another benefit of SEO. You can repurpose it for the rest of your marketing. You know, so you can create videos with transcripts with your leader's brand voice, you can get the transcripts and edit the videos into blogs. You can edit the blogs into social media posts and newsletters. You can use the videos in ads on social, getting into that rhythm of producing high quality content on a regular basis also sets you up for success for all of your digital marketing. People sometimes say content is king, but we work with a lot of business, um, women business owners. So I always say, you know, content is queen. (laughs) But SEO is basically about content. Yeah. So I think that, um, you know, getting started on SEO, even if you're taking baby steps, now's the time and kind of recognizing its direct relationship to driving leads and also recognizing how flexible you can be once you're in the rhythm of creating high quality content. So almost looking at yourself too is like a... um, you know, like a media team a little bit, as opposed to just marketing. I mean, marketing is what it is, but still there's like a media production quality to marketing, which I think is newer over the past, you know, 10 years. So the other thing that I want to ask you, we talked about organic earlier, and then SEO is a long-term game. 
and you talk about lead conversion, does SEO generate higher quality leads in comparison to other paid marketing? Uh Especially ads, because people, A, don't really like ads. I mean, they will like ads if they're actually very good ads, but And, you know, display ads and stuff, they offer kind of that creative component. And that could be really necessary for something like fashion or, you know, different visual kinds of things. And two, now there are direct shopping ads for Google. So there is, and I mean, I do think that in today's world, you need an advertising component. So I'm not going to say that you don't need that, but organic search results have a higher conversion rate. They are more profitable. They generate an idea of credibility. And I mean, I already said from the beginning that organic's not organic. So, I mean, there is a little bit of a misnomer there, but effectively anyone can pump money into an ad, right? But when a person, a consumer feels like, oh, the reason that this is here is because this is a high quality business, you know, and it is a little bit of smoke and mirrors, I have to admit, but nevertheless, for ads to be effective, you know, you may be spending thousands of dollars. And as soon as you turn off, you know, that spigot, you're just not getting results anymore. Whereas with SEO, you've invested and a keyword can rank for years, you know, really can. So, I mean, in the higher, more converting ones, that's less true because there's loads of competition for those. But nevertheless, it's more like, I never like to say meat and potatoes anymore because a lot of people are conscious of that. Like, but I didn't want to say tofu and potatoes because that doesn't sound good. <laughs> so um, tofu, and it's more tofu and vegetables than cake. Advertising is kind of like cake and SEO is more like tofu and vegetables. You know, it's just more nourishing. <laughs> That's good oh, That's an interesting way to put it. But I get you. Uh, <laughs> Okay, let's say that you create content and then, you know, you create high quality content and your keywords is working. But when people land on the website, if your website user, what do you normally marketing call it? Yeah, Uh, poor user experience. Yeah, poor user experience. That's the word. So you can rank high in SEO and then you can generate traffic. But at the end of the day, if your website is not really give that user experience, is it going to translate into conversion? I mean, at a much lower rate. And this happens in advertising too. Like people will set up ads and they'll just serve those ads to their homepage. But if it's for a specific product, it should go to a product page. Or if it's for a specific service, it should go to a service page. So you should definitely have, especially for all of your services, special pages and even better landing pages with lead capture strategies for ads to be served to. And then SEO is a little different, but, um, you know, because you don't want it to per se be a landing page, you want it to be like high quality content, but that still has a lead capture strategy. So one of the biggest mistakes people make is that they don't have a lead capture strategy. Like some people don't even have like newsletter sign up. But really the gold is your ability to reach back out to people. And so you have to offer an incentive. You know, so in my case, we offer a free digital strategy session. That is our lead capture and it's worked quite well for us. But, you know, you may also want to have a downloadable PDF or a guide or something else that's an incentive for people that really answers a question or a problem they have. 
And so they're likely to download it. Now you have their email. Now you can be in a selling process that with them that's automated perhaps, or with a service business, you know, probably a consultation's a better route to go. Anna, we've been talking about SEO a lot and then you have given, provided a lot of great tips about SEO. I want to dive in a little bit about your own experience in terms of building your agency, right? If you can look back to your financial knowledge journey from beginning until now, can you share what changes have you seen in your journey? Okay, yeah. So, I mean, I think a first struggle that I had with financial knowledge was I didn't have any, which is the struggle that I think people have with SEO. They don't know anything about it. So I first needed to kind of acquire a money mindset. So, you know, coming from a service background and just kind of the things that are of interest to me personally, like doing a great job for the client, super important, Um, you know, having a mission aligned element to it, super important. But the money part of it actually wasn't that interesting to me, which I mean, I know a lot of people, and of course I did establish my business in order to quote unquote, make a living. But nevertheless, I needed to care and understand more about money. And that was a pretty hard shift. So I was like, oh, I'm going to educate myself about this. I don't know, business forecasting or cash flow or, you know, just different things like that. They were really opaque to me. By chance during the pandemic, we were invited to be part of a CEO coaching program. Finally, I think a lot clicked for me with that CEO course and you know, they really helped us create these profitability models and helped us with forecasting and helped us really hook, like, this is how many leads we need to get to get to here and that kind of thinking. But I really needed support because at the end of the day, math and money are not my passions. So I've had to kind of learn to work around that because of course they are primary to business. Struggles though that we've had, you know, more specifically, we've had cash flow issues at different times. And I think most businesses go through that. Well, it's incredibly painful. It is really, really uncomfortable and stressful. So um, kind of learning to manage this and also having some capital on hand to back you up, I think is really important. Like emergency fund? An emergency fund, right? Or like we have a loan, which we haven't had to tap into. And the first thing I did too, when the pandemic started to get really real was boost my loan so that if I needed to turn to that, you know, I could. And luckily, and thank God I didn't have to, because I really hate debt and debt is part of business. And I think a lot of people who are even more money-minded than I am don't mind leveraging debt to build their businesses. I personally just don't like it. And you're not alone. (laughs) Right. I think many, if not most people are not on their financial game. They're not educated. They don't understand business finance. They don't look at their finances regularly. You know, they can kind of be ostriches about it. Even though it's no pleasure to me, I have to build in time to be focused on money and really understand what's happening with my money and then kind of setting up a systems and accountabilities even to yourself, just so that you're always aware of your finance and can manage downturns. I love what you said. And then three key points that I heard from you. One is building relationship with your bankers, right? Because that is important. Ask for money when you don't need it. So when at the beginning of the pandemic, it seems that you realize maybe there is 
even though you don't like that, but you likely approach them and then said, okay, just in case I need this, let me just up my line of credit or my loan. And the third thing that you said, you basically brave yourself and said, I need accountability. I need to look at my numbers. And I think those are the right things that you are doing, Anna. And I am really thankful that you are coming to this podcast, sharing your expertise with SEO and sharing the lesson that you learn in terms of the financial aspect of the business. So thank you for being here. Oh, you're so welcome. Yeah, it was fun. And that's bring us to the end of another show. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Her CEO Journey, the business finance podcast for women entrepreneurs. If you want to create a proactive financial plan and process for your business so you are ready to weather the financial storm over the next few months, let's chat and see what's possible for you. Book in a time to speak with me at christinashahli.com forward slash let's chat.